Good news. There's more to learn about the Holy Spirit in this session of Wayne Hoig's class. Hopefully you've been able to hear the last two sessions, because here comes part three. John 16. Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 12. John 16 and 12, Jesus again speaking. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. We're studying the person and work of the Holy Spirit according to Jesus. Our key verses that we're using in this five weeks together are all red letter verses. They were words that Jesus spoke to us concerning the Holy Spirit, his person and his work. And so far... We've identified the Holy Spirit as the one who convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then last week we talked about that the Holy Spirit is the helper who comes alongside to assist us in our spiritual journey. And tonight we're going to look at the Holy Spirit as a guide and a teacher. Here Jesus calls him the Spirit of Truth. And then our next two sessions together, we're going to be exploring Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That'll be the next two weeks. But tonight we're looking at guide and teacher. We have a special name for the way God unfolds his truth to men. We call it Revelation. And the revelation of God is a progressive process. Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. The word bear in this passage means to carry. So what Jesus is telling his disciples that there were things about him that they could not yet carry, that they could not yet understand. And many of the things that Jesus taught his disciples over the three years with them didn't click until later. These things his disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered. These things I have spoken to you while still with you, but the Helper whom the Father will send. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But when he, 
the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Greek word that's being used here for the word truth is the same word that Jesus used when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Greek word is aletheia. And here's what it means. That which is true in things pertaining to God and the duties of man. The truth as taught in the Christian faith respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ. That's a, a mouthful, but that's the truth that it's talking about. That which is true pertaining God, that's what is true pertaining man, that which is taught in the Christian faith respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ. I want to return for just a little bit to this word revelation. In the Bible, we have God's revealed truth to mankind. Y'all have one of these? Between these two covers, we have God's revealed truth to mankind. It tells us everything that he has chosen to tell us about himself and about us. Isn't it an exhaustive book? No. Does it tell us everything there is to know about God? No. But it has the revelation that God wants us to know about him and about ourselves. And God's truth is revealed to us incrementally over the years as we walk with him. And today, and I'm sure some of you can understand this, I see things in God's word today that I did not see 10 or 20 years ago even though they were on the page. There is times I am reading and something leaps off the page to my heart and I want to know who snuck that in there because I've been reading the book for 50 years. And like I said, I'm starting to get it. You know, only 47 years in, I'm starting to get it. Sometimes. But here's how it works. If you go to the, the Proverbs and you read about this thing called wisdom, what wisdom is, is knowledge, okay? Knowledge from this book, coupled with life experience, and that turns into wisdom. And there have been times that when I re God reveals something brand new to me, and I go, Lord, why didn't I see that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? I could have really used that. And the Spirit's voice to my heart is, you could have never seen it 20 years ago. You may have had the word, but you didn't have the corresponding life experience that breathed life into that word, and then it became revelation and wisdom. And so this is something that's going to go along with us all the way through life. And I'm, I'm sorry, I've told you a couple times that, you know, there's a lot of people that have asked me questions the last few weeks, and I've said, I don't know. And I have no problem saying that now. Now, when I was 30 and 35, I had to have an answer for you. And if you would have come with some of your problems back then, I would have had an answer for you. But today I don't. 
because I have come to understand the mysteries of God. And there are some things that I just have to leave in his court right now until he chooses via revelation to open up my heart to understand. There are things I cannot carry yet. Now he's allowing me to carry some things that I wasn't fit to carry 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And so that's what's happening. And for the believer, there is no end to God's revelation because our best understanding of anything spiritual is partial. As 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians said, it's like looking through a smoky glass. It's like looking through a glass darkly. None of us have any place for pride to think we've got a corner on some truth of God's because our best understanding of any truth of God's is partial. Many years ago when we were living in Moab, Utah and pastoring the Moab Christian Center, I was up on the mountain one day. Moab sits in a valley, and those of you who have been there, the Manti LaSalle Mountains, a 13,000-foot mountain range, are right there. And I was up in one of those valleys. I was deer hunting up there with my friend Pete. And I was up on the side of a ridge, and the fog rolled in. And I just sat myself down. <laughs> and as I'm sitting there, Every once in a while, the fog would clear and I could see through the aspen trees and I would go as far as I could go as the fog rolled back in and then I stopped. And then it would open up and I could go a little bit more. And that's how the revelation of God works. He opens up something for us and we move into that and as we keep pressing into his heart, he keeps opening up these things for us. Whatever it is you have come to know, there is always more to know, more to be discovered. How many years have you been teaching piano, Sandy? Sorry, what Forty. Uh, do you know it all? <laughs> Who laughed? <laughs> Thanks, Kim. And I know about you, you know, because being a doctor, all you do is practice medicine. You know, you never get there. You know, you're continually practicing medicine. And, and it's no different than the Word of God. There's always more to know. And I, you know what aggravates me? Can I give you one of my pet peeves? It's hanging on my wall in my office. It was here in this office for 30 years. It's on my office now. And there's a picture of an eagle in flight. And it says, a man will know when he's chosen by God for a life of quest. The restless urge within him is an eagle in his breast. Let him turn from seeking and the eagle will eat his heart. Rest? There is no rest for the seeker with an eagle in his breast. And, you know, we have a word called, it's, we, in our English language, it's mediocre. And it comes from the French and it means halfway up the mountain mediocre and I get a little aggravated at times when I see Christians settling in and they're fine with the view halfway up the mountain you know I'm a very restless person and it's not that I'm not at rest and peace with my relationship with my Lord and Savior I just know that there's more to be had and I want it 
and I want it. I want to, I want to press in. And, and I've told Sandy, if it's still true when I die, what I want carved on my tombstone is, he died climbing. <laughs> and he didn't stop halfway up the mountain. And because this revelation is ongoing, we need to understand this fact. God has never been silent. I love this passage out of Daniel. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You know, sometimes we don't discover the mysteries because we quit pressing in. We got the fundamentals down. We got the basics down. And even the writer of Hebrews kind of rebukes the people because he says, here you are, you're meeting in church and you just keep laying another foundation and then you lay another foundation and then you lay another foundation. You know, I was raised in a church where every Sunday it was a salvation message and an altar call. Salvation, and we laid a new foundation every Sunday. New foundation every Sunday. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He says, we're not going to lay any more foundations of repentance from dead works and baptisms and these things. It's time to move on. And that's what we're looking at here. There's a God in heaven and he's the revealer of mysteries. Let's press in. In the excellent study experiencing God, Henry Blackaby pointed out that today, God continues to speak to his people in a variety of ways. And Henry identified this. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us through circumstances in our life. And he speaks to me and you through the members of the body of Christ. More times than not, I've been saved from myself and the church has been saved from me. Because a brother or sister in Christ came along with a timely word. And you know what? Most of the time, they didn't arrive in my office saying, Oh, pastor, I have a word for you. Thus saith the Lord. Something in the conversation, they, they may not even known what they were saying, went through my heart like an arrow. And I heard the voice of God out of the mouth of my brothers and sisters. Listen, my people when you are talking to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That being said, however, however, his word, prayer, circumstances, however God speaks, however the Holy Spirit chooses to speak, it will always be consistent with the revelation found between the covers of this book. God is not giving new revelation as Joseph Smith might claim, or Brigham Young, or Mary Baker Eddy, or a whole bunch of others, a new word from God. No, God is still speaking through his word, through prayers, through circumstances in the body of Christ. But whatever he speaks, it'll be consistent with the revelation that is between the covers of this book. Now, Jesse has experienced this, I am sure. Over my 47 years of ministry, I've had people come to my office and tell me the Holy Spirit was leading them to do some specific thing. And at times that thing was totally contrary to the Word of God. You ought to try talking them out of that. Some of them don't want to talk out of that. In fact, Sandy and I were talking today about someone who used to be a pain in my gluteus maximus. And would come into my office and tell me how the cow ate the cabbage and how I wasn't doing it right. 
And that person's life today is a shambles. They ended up divorcing their husband. They married somebody else. And I don't know where they are. They may be on another husband or two. But all of a sudden, all this super spirituality just went like a balloon when you let go of it. And these are the ones that want to come and give some fresh word, some new word. And it doesn't always line up with this word. Let me give you an example. This is just the easiest example. And this is the one that's probably caused me more problems in 47 years than anything else. I've had Christian young people come into my office and tell me that God was telling them to marry an unbeliever. Well, what does God's word say about that? Do not, what does that say? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Now is marrying an unbeliever the unforgivable sin? No, but you better get ready for a ride. Because when you bring two people together and one person is claiming this head over heels love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the one that they're getting ready to marry could care less whether God existed or not. Good luck with that. Now, I've had the opportunity to lead some men later in life to the Lord who lived in an unequally yoked marriage for how many years? Uh, we were married 42. 42 years. Mavis... Uh, Went down that. Did your daddy ever say something to you about that? My dad told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what your dad told you. Mavis was a student at Biola. And she fell in love and uh, married Jerry. Jerry found faith in Christ just months before he passed away from cancer. Many of you remember Glenda Seller. I was with her husband in the, in the ICU in Renown Hospital. It was Washoe Medical Center then. And two days before he died, he confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you again and again, is it the unforgivable sin? No. But Mavis got to... You never, you never stop praying. Yeah, and she said, "You never stop praying. You never stop praying." But do not be unequally yoked. And let me tell you this: I've had elders in this church that have left this church because I wouldn't marry their daughter to an unbeliever. And I've had them look me in the face and say, "But pastor, I thought you were my friend." I said, "Really." What does me being your friend have to do with being obedient to God and his word? <laughs> so, as God speaks to us through the various ways he does speak to us, it's always going to be consistent with the way he has spoken to us. And however God may choose to speak to you by his Holy Spirit through his word and prayer and circumstance or a member of the body of Christ, remember this is the straight edge, and it must line up with this.
not the other way around. John goes on to tell us something else about the Holy Spirit. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. This brings to mind these words of Jesus. Pay attention here. He says here, first of all, the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And now here's Jesus talking about himself. I can do nothing on my own initiative. I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment as what to say and what to speak. I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Lanny, do you still have that, uh, that, that diagram? No. Can I borrow it a second? Okay. I sent this out to you today along with the Athanasian Creed, which is where our doctrine of the Trinity was codified. And uh, this came with it. And this is great because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a point I want to make here. You see, God, the Son is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit is not the Father. And the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Is that clear as mud? <laughs> Lanny said he spent the whole afternoon walking around with us. <laughs> I told him at his age he needs something to stimulate those brain cells and get them going again. You know, keep things going. But listen. No one person of the Trinity operates ever independently of the other two. In thought and action and intention and character, they are in perfect unity and perfect harmony. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit won't speak of, on his own initiative. Jesus just told us four times in four separate places, I have not spoken on my own initiative. I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will not operate on his own initiative either. And he will only do what he has been given direction to do. Now, here's something else. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will glorify me. And then, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Now, I told you when we first started off here, Sandy and I have been on both sides of this fence. 
We've been in charismania up to our eye teeth. And, and we've been through a lot of Pentecostals. I'm thankful for these times because God taught me something more about himself in this blessed third person. But I want you to know this. When the Holy Spirit is getting his way in the life of an individual or in the corporate life of the church, it will be Jesus who's being lifted up and glorified and edified. A.W. Tozer put it pretty good. Wherever the Holy Spirit still comes, he will always be found witnessing of Jesus and honoring the Son of God. The Holy Spirit was sent to glorify Christ and to honor the Son of God and to point you and me in Christ's church to Jesus. We see this in the scriptures before the cross. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a mountain. And there he was transfigured before them and shone like the brightness of the sun. And along with him were Moses and Elijah. And Peter got all excited about this. And he said, Lord... It is good that we are here. Why don't you just let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses, and we'll never go back to the valley. And the Bible says a fog rolled in, just like when I was deer hunting. A fog rolled in, and the disciples found themselves on their face on the ground. And out of that fog, a voice spoke. And the voice said, This is my beloved son, Listen to him. And then after the cross, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit points us back to Jesus because his ministry is that of exalting the Son. And so here we have Jesus at the center of all history. The reason history came into being. And we have before the cross, the Father pointing the disciples to Jesus. And after the cross, we have the Holy Spirit pointing us to Jesus. And that's why I say when he's getting his way in your life and my life and the collective life of a church, it'll be Jesus that we're celebrating. It'll be Jesus that we'll be glorifying. It'll be the name of Jesus that we will be lifting up. Now, Verse 15 in the passage we just read gives us a wonderful, wonderful progression. Follow this. This kind of goes back to your little, your little chart there, Lanny. So you can do two of them together tomorrow. All things that the Father has are mine. This is Jesus speaking. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, takes of mine and he will disclose it to you. Do you see the progression here? Everything that the Father has is mine. And the Holy Spirit's going to take that which is mine, and he's going to disclose it to you. He's going to teach you, and he's going to guide you into truth. All things that the Father has belongs to Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit takes all that Jesus has and reveals it to us. This is good stuff. Part of the greatness of Jesus is his inexhaustibleness. What do I mean by that? No man has ever yet grasped all that Jesus came to say. He's still revealing. He's still revealing. He's still opening up doors. He's still shining light on his word as people are pressing into his heart. No man has yet to fully work out the full significance of Jesus and his teaching. He's still revealing. I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. And neither does Pastor Jesse. I know that's a... (laughs) So, give him a break. (laughs) He's just like you. He's just like me. God is unfolding this thing a day at a time, a week at a time, a step at a time. And there are things God is showing me today that are new and that I did not even realize a year ago. And you know something that has happened with this revelation process? There are things that 30 years ago I thought really meant something to God that today I don't think he gives two hoots about. (laughs) And there's things that I didn't think he gave two hoots about that I think are so precious to his soul today how has that come you know uh, I have most of the sermons that I've ever preached either on most of them are on cassette tapes now you got to find something to play them on but you know (laughs) I'm waiting to you know to endow them to some great learning institution and you know get a big write-off every once in a while though I'll take one of those sermons from 20 years ago 30 years ago and listen to it. I'm the only one in the car, and I'm blushing. And I'm saying, I don't believe I said that. (laughs) But you know, the thing that was interesting is, at that point in my life, it was the conviction of my heart, and God honored that. He just kept peeling the onion, though. And he showed me that there was more to see than what I knew. What I was preaching, I was preaching passionately i was preaching it with conviction because i really believed it but then he kept adding some pieces he turned another page and goes oh and that's how my life in in the holy spirit has been he just has kept revealing himself and i think that's why he's let my pendulum go to here until it went clunk against something and then went to here and went clunk against something that we may find a place of middle ground. Revelation is a continual unveiling of the meaning of Jesus and his teaching. And this revelation comes to us through a living person, the Holy Spirit. He is our guide. He is our teacher. Press in. God has more for all of us. 
when I was growing up, there was a show called Wagon Train. Ward Bond was Colonel Adams. And there's a guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he was the scout. And what his job was, was to ride out ahead of the wagon train looking for pasture for the livestock and water for the people. And then he would return and tell them where it was. And over the years, I have viewed my ministry as a pastor as that scout. Called by God to press on ahead find the pasture, find the water, and then come back and share it with those that were trying to lead to the celestial city. Incrementally, a bit at a time, a little revelation here, a little revelation here from glory to glory. I also, I like pioneer stuff. I don't know if you've ever read the expedition of the endurance Ernest Shackleton, who went to find the South Pole and he got stranded and his big old boat got stuck in the ice and then his boat got crushed like a walnut in the, in the pack ice. Him and his crew spent two polar winters on the pack ice and survived to a man. It's one of the most incredible survival stories you're ever going to read in your whole life. It just puts chills on you. But they stepped out. They stepped out. There was something inside of them that was just longing to, to go there. And I think that, that, I mean, they're talking a lot about Amelia Earhart right now. They think they might have found her airplane. Did you know that? But what puts a lady in a cockpit to fly around the world in the first place? There's this itch. There's this longing. What, what, what caused sailors from years ago to get on a little old boat with a sail and, and go across great oceans? Or I was watching The Martian this week. What a movie. You know, this guy gets stranded up there. But boy, these are the people that have pushed the envelope and pushed the envelope. My brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that through the Holy Spirit, he wants us to push the envelope. And when we do, he reveals himself to us in fresh, new, and exciting ways. And I am just naive. I'm a farm boy, so I'm pretty easy. I'm just naive enough to know, to believe that there are traces in God's heart that have not yet known the footprint of man. And I want to go there. There's times I'm hiking around here and I'm in some little niche and there growing is a beautiful little wildflower. And all of a sudden I'm overcome with this. I am the only human being on the face of the planet that's ever going to lay his eyes on that wildflower. And yet God created it. And he put it there for me to see and revel in and enjoy. And I'm asking, let the Holy Spirit take you to places you've never been before. Let him press, take you and press you into the heart of God where you'll go, oh my. Oh my. I'm seeing things in God's word today. And I've been reading this thing for 50 years. 
that I didn't know were there. And I find myself with my mouth hanging open in awe that God is continue to, continuing to reveal himself to those who are seekers. Now, some Christians don't understand seekers. I think I told you about Reggie Kirkman, when the first guy that made me hungry for the things of the Holy Spirit, the guy that played for Bear Bryant's Crimson Tide. I mean, there was just something. He oozed something. I could not get enough of Reggie Kirkman. And I'd go to people in the church we were going to and say, oh, Reggie, and they go, Reggie's a fanatic. And you know what a fanatic is. I told you already. You remember, don't you? Someone who loves Jesus more than you do. <laughs> and Reg, he made me hungry. He made me hungry. He made me hungry for more, and that hunger has not yet gone away. And as long as God lends me breath, I'm going to keep seeking because we have a Holy Spirit who is still revealing through God's word, through prayer, through circumstances. You ever have God speak to you in a circumstance? <laughs> he can get our attention, can he? Through my brothers and sisters in Christ. Press in. The teacher, the guide, he's right here. He's ready to take you by the hand and take you into reaches in God's heart that you haven't yet walked. In closing, all truth is God's truth. Hang on to that, okay? All truth is God's truth, whether it's theological truth or not. The laws of the universe are God's truth. God has created the universe in such a way that he's allowed men who have that in within them to discover what makes the bird fly, what makes this happen, and what makes this happen. He's given, he's given man the ability to unlock and discover the truths of the universe. You know, gravity, the law of gravity, that's God's truth. The law of thermodynamics, that's God's truth. And it's God who has given understanding to men, whether it be for photosynthesis or gravity. You know, I, I was hoping, well, there's a pilot sitting back there. Do you ever get in the air and go, how is this thing staying up here? <laughs> and and I would look at I look at these big old airplanes and you know, and we know it's thrust and lift to overcome drag because drag is gravity and it is doing its best to bring you back to earth, isn't it? And up there, you're somehow controlling this. Does that blow your mind? All the time. But God gave mankind the ability after he watches the bird do it and then the Wright brothers get this little flying kite and then it goes from there to 747s. The laws of the universe are fixed and they're by God and he's allowed man to discover them. 
I worked in surgery for several years when I was in the Navy. And when we were doing knee surgery at that time, we laid the knee wide open, went in and did a meniscectomy or whatever, sewed it up and put them in a cast for six weeks. And when they came out, they couldn't bend the leg because it was all adhesions. That's why a, a, an athlete's career was usually over. Today, somebody walks in and with an arthroscope, they go in and do, and they walk out. I've got two knees that don't belong to me. <laughs> this is crazy. And I mean, I was working in surgery 50 years ago and the technological advances, but they are just building on the truths of God. God created this body and there's certain things true about it. And he's given doctors and people like that the ability to peek in to the cell, to the DNA, to the whoa. But I want you to know, they're only discovering God's truth. The advances, how to fly, and many more. These great advancements are a result of the revelations of God. And these revelations may or may not go to a Christian. But it's still God's truths that they're uncovering and revealing. Truths that he has fixed in his created order. You know, uh, Kim, I'm reading book number five right now of Uncle Harriet. You know, the all things great, great and small, bright and beautiful and stuff. And and he, he's, he's, he starts off in the 30s and he ends up in the 60s. And, you know, when he first started off, there was no such thing as penicillin and, 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 and sulfur. I mean, they were just, by gosh and by golly, treating this cow or pig and they got better. And it's, it's so new truths. Now, how do we approach them? Penicillin came and wow, the world changed. But again, all they've discovered is God's truth. But the other truths, the, the theological ones, they come to men and women who are filled with God's spirit and are pressing in to God's heart. And Paul said one place, the natural man does not discern the things of the spirit. So God's truth. Thanks for listening to this part of the class. We'll keep posting each session as it becomes available. We hope God uses them to grow your relationship with Him, and we hope to see you very soon.